want to just use as a title for my sermon today, A Journey of a Thousand Miles. A Journey of a Thousand Miles. I think all of us have heard that Chinese proverb, a quote, that says, A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And also, a journey of a thousand miles, you complete it one step at a time. No matter how hard you run, no matter how fast you walk, you still complete a journey of a thousand miles one step at a time. And the Christian life can also be considered as a journey. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 talk, calls us strangers and pilgrims. We are strangers, meaning aliens. We're not here to reside. We're in transit. We're strangers. And we are pilgrims through this land, journeying through this world. And uh, all of us begin at the same point. It starts off with our salvation. At different time, a different point in time in our lives, we encounter the Lord Jesus Christ and God's word becomes a reality, an experience for us. The word, you know, that talks about the love of God, but God commends his, Romans 5, 8 and 9, God commends his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that, we've been justified through his blood and we will be saved from wrath through Christ. So it begins with us. And no matter, you know, what kind of situation we were in, no matter how deep, how dark our, our past is, we all begin our journey through the blood and through the cross of Jesus Christ. We all, there's only one way to start this journey. It's because of the blood and because of the cross of Jesus. We all start off that way. But what is our destination? I mean, where does God want to take us? It's very interesting to know what God has in mind for us. There are several scriptures that talk about this. Romans chapter 8, for instance, verses 28 and 29, it says that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then it continues what his purpose is. But whom God foreknew, he ordained that they should be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. So God's destination for you and me is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to be like Jesus. And that's what this journey is all about. Because 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we all are looking at Jesus. And as we are looking at him, although it's very dimly, although it's kind of blur, our gaze upon him. The Bible says we are all being changed into that same image by his spirit. That's the journey we are taking. A journey of being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. But what I want us to understand is that God's desire for us to be like Jesus is not after we die, but it's rather here and now. Here and now, God wants you and me to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus. So many of us say, okay, when I get to heaven, when I cross River Jordan, however you want to put it, when I get to heaven, of course I'm going to be like him because I will see him as he is, and that's true. But God's desire for you and me is to be Christ-like here and now. Amen? So the Bible challenges us. You know, 1 John 2, 6, it says, If we say we abide in Him, let us walk even as He walked. Meaning, I walk now as Christ walked. That's what God wants. Or 1 John 4, 17, the latter part of that verse says, As He is, so am I, or so are we in this world. Right now, I'm supposed to be like Him. Amen? 
That's God's desire. That's where God wants to take us. Now, our journey from where we are to where God wants us to go definitely looks like a thousand miles. This is a huge journey. God, you telling me to be like Jesus, that's going to be a long journey. You got a lot of stuff to sort out in me. Got a lot of things to fix. You got a lot of work to do on me, God. It is a thousand mile journey. It's not easy. And sure, it might seem like that to you and me today. Sitting where we are, looking at our own selves and, and all of our weaknesses and flaws and, and, and challenges that we have. Getting to where God wants us to be is, may seem like a thousand mile journey. But what I want to encourage you and me is this. This thousand mile journey happens one step at a time. Amen? And sometimes in this journey, as we go on our journey, some steps could be dangerous. They might lead us astray. And God says, you need to retrace your steps and get back to the path I want you to take. Some steps are easy. Easy obedience. I'm sure I'll do it. Some steps are very difficult. But those steps are still bringing you closer to him, to his likeness. No matter how difficult the steps might be. Our journey through life will take us through various seasons. Sometimes just one small step will usher us into a new season of life. So I want to take some time here this morning just to ponder, just to think about the, this journey of faith, this journey that we make. And, and this journey begins by faith. It's a journey of a thousand miles, but every step is a step of faith. The story of Abraham is really amazing because Abraham was deep in idol worship. Or Abraham, as he was known, was really deep in idol worship. His family, living in the Ur of the Chaldees, were actually idol makers. They made idols to the moon god, Ur. I mean, they made the idols and gave it to all the people saying, worship this god. And out of such a family that was so deep in darkness... With, I mean, with no history of no association with Jehovah God, Abraham, a son in this esteemed family of idol makers, hears a voice saying, Abraham, get out of your country. Go to a land that I will show you. I'm going to make you the father of a big nation. He didn't graduate from Bible college. He didn't know how to hear the voice of God. He didn't know who Jehovah God was nothing. He came from a family of idol makers who worshipped Ur, the God, the moon God. That's all he knew. And here when a voice comes, and I don't know how the revelation came to him. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11:8. It says, Abraham obeyed when he was called. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That is our journey of faith. And God called such a man and made him the father of faith. A man totally out of darkness make, becomes a father of faith for you and me today. Why? Because God says, I want you to imitate that kind of faith that, that's willing to take steps and go out even not knowing where these steps are taking you. That's our journey of faith. A journey where we take one step at a time, not fully understanding the destination of where God's going to take us or how we're going to get there. But we know one step. It's a step of faith. I tried reading John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. John Bunyan wrote this back in 1678. It's a Christian classic. But the English is so hard. It's worse than reading the King James Bible I gave up. So all I did was give me a one-page summary of the Pilgrim's Progress. That's enough for me. 
So it got that. And I'm borrowing some of the landmarks John Bunyan uses as he describes the pilgrim's progress. I just want to share that with you, but that's just part of the message. The real word I want to leave with us this morning comes at the end. So stay with me till the end. In his book on the pilgrim's progress, John Bunyan talks about hills and valleys and mountains and meadows and plains that the pilgrim goes through. And I just like to share some of that, those landmarks with you and me this morning. Our journey of a thousand miles will take us through hills and valleys, mountains, meadows and plains. It's important for us to be prepared for what we will encounter in this journey of a thousand miles. In talking about hills, John Bunyan mentions the hill of difficulty. It's a hill all of us have to face. And sometimes there will be many hills of difficulty along our journey. Many of these hills of difficulty. Challenges. Things that we have to overcome. The hill of difficulty surrounded by danger and destruction. And, and if we are not careful as we are climbing up this hill of difficulty. If we are not watchful, not careful, we could slide in. Sometimes unawares into the dangers and destructions that surround this hill of difficulty. But challenges and difficulties in life in our journey have a purpose. They serve a purpose. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that every hill of difficulty, it doesn't use that term, but every tribulation develops endurance. And endurance births character. So every hill of difficulty that you have to climb serves a purpose in your life, in my life. There's a certain aspect of our character God's working on. There's another hill that John Bunyan talks about. He calls it the hill of Luca or, or of wealth. This is another dangerous hill that you and I have to, rec- to conquer. You and I have to climb past. Sometimes it happens many times. We all feel the pull and the demands of the riches and the drive for success and selfish ambition, the desire to want more, the hill of Luca on our journey of a thousand miles. While we know that God wants to prosper us and God desires us to be successful and so on, while we know that wealth is a blessing from the Lord, God's real intent is to guard our hearts and guard our motives. What is it that drives you? And the hill of Luca that you and I encounter will really test and bring this out in our lives. Are you motivated from something pure to seek success for the glory of God and the furtherance of his kingdom? Or is it because there's another motive to collect stuff for yourself or to have some kind of a stature among people? The hill of lucre will bring it out very clearly. And so we must always reconcile with the scripture that teaches us in Luke 12, 15. Do not be covetous. Because a man's life is not, does not consist with the abundance of things he possesses. Your true worth is not measured by how much you own. Success for us as believers is not how, how much have I accomplished on earth. But how fully aligned am, am I to his will. That's true success for us as believers. In the process, God will prosper you. God will cause you to eat the good of the land. Because his promise always is, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But our equation does not have wealth and success in it. Our equation for success is alignment to the will of God for my life. So we must learn to conquer the hill of lucre that exposes the the motives of our hearts. 
Sometimes if we are not careful, like Jesus said in Mark 4, 18 and 19, that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts for other things, they're entering in, they render the powerful word of God impotent in our lives. And so you and I could come sit in church Sunday after Sunday. We hear the word of God, but nothing changes because the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things render the powerful word of God ineffective in our lives. So no matter how great the anointing and no, and no matter how clear the word, nothing changes because the hill of lucre has taken over. So beware, Jesus told us about the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts for the things. There are valleys that we have to go through. John Bunyan calls, calls one of them as the valley of humiliation. When our journey takes us into a valley, when everything that we ever leaned on is stripped off, we stand bare and naked, nothing to lean on, totally humiliated the valley of humiliation but the valley of humiliation has a great purpose because as far as the bible says that god gives grace to the humble he resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble so the valley of humiliation is also the valley in which you can experience the richest measure of his grace. If you receive the spirit of humility that he wants to build in you and me. So in these valleys of humiliation where everything we ever stood on, leaned on is shaken off. And the only thing we could ever rely on is the grace of God. Understand it's serving its purpose. This is where you taste the riches of his grace. Because he gives grace to the humble. John Bunyan talks about the valley of the shadow of death. It is the valley of suffering. It's via dolorosa. The way that leads us into suffering. And many of us will have to journey to the valley of the shadow of that death many times. But when you are in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. But there is nothing around you but darkness when you cannot see Beyond where you are at that moment. You and I know what David taught us. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. In that valley of the shadow of death. What I've also learned is that in every dark night, in the deepest, darkest night, in the valley of the shadow of death, God is faithful to send a star to light up your world. Somehow God is able to place someone or something in your life that gives you a glimmer of hope in your deepest, darkest nights. Sometimes God wants to use you to be that star in somebody else's life. When they're going through their valley of the shadow of death. There are also lilies in the valley. In your valley of the shadow of death. In every valley. 
you'll find that God has a lily. The lily stands for a new, fresh vision, a new dream. Someone or something in your darkest night inspires you to a vision of better things than your present situation. And that's why great dreams are very often born or birthed in the valley of the shadow of death. And of course, there are these delectable mountains. Every now and then, God gives us these wonderful mountains, these high points in our lives. You feel so close to God. You feel like heaven's been opened. And wow, this is a high point in my life. You're able to see things clearly. You're able to look, for, look at the destination God wants you to take, take you to and say, yes, that's where I'm going. I will get there. And those wonderful mountaintop experiences do happen for us. And God graciously grants them to us. Enjoy them in our journey. We must learn to enjoy them in our journey of a thousand miles. But there are other dangerous places that we must be aware on our journey. God leads us at times to the plain of ease. And the bypath meadow. Through plains of ease and meadows in our lives. Where these are pleasant places and there are seasons in our life and everything is going well. Press the, the coast button. Auto button, you relax, you kick back. Everything is just going fine. He's leading you through green pastures. Nothing's troubling you. Life is all bliss. But I want to challenge you and me. When God leads us into the plains of ease and through these green meadows... There's one very important thing I've learned. I've learned that in every season, such season, I must quickly consolidate what God has released to me up until that point. And number two, I must equip myself for the journey ahead. That's what I do when I come into a plane of ease, when I find myself in those green meadows. Consolidate. What has God done in my life up till this point? Consolidated. So rooted in me that nothing will take it out of me. Let me review it, revise it, and just get it. It's so part of my system. It's consolidate that. And let me equip now. Let me move on in strength. Let me move on in, in my walk with God. Because I don't know what hills I have to climb. I don't know what valleys await me. I don't know what lies ahead. But this is my opportunity to prepare myself for what, for what is coming. So I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in a plane of ease, just going through a green meadow in life where everything is bliss and great and wonderful, don't waste this time because this is, use this opportunity to consolidate everything and get, get, you know, take your strength level, your spiritual strength level to new heights because you never know what's coming up next. Unfortunately, many of us, in the plain of ease and, the, and in, the, in the wonderful meadows that God has appointed for our lives, we tend to take it easy. We let our guard down. We tend to slack on our defenses. Even perhaps neglect the very basics of life. Because after all, who needs them now? Everything is going well. And so many of us find ourselves right after the plain of ease in Doubting Castle facing the giant despair. Doubt set in because the word of God has become a stranger to you and you've become a stranger to God himself. Despair comes in because now when you're faced with challenges, you're wondering what happened to the God of the green meadows and the plain of ease. 
You've got a battle at your hand now. You find yourself in a castle full of doubts, facing the giant despair. And this is the moment when you need to get muster every strength you have, get all the people who can support you, and engage in warfare, taking the weapons of your warfare, casting down every imagination, every thought that, that puts you in doubt and in despair, and use the promise of God to walk out into freedom. John Bunyan talks about the vanity fair and the enchanted grounds. This is again dangerous ground for us believers. And the enemy uses this to neutralize so many of us. The vanity fair, the enchanted grounds. It makes pilgrims want to stop and sleep. Is what John Bunyan says. He continues, if one goes to sleep in this place, one never wakes up. So beware of the vanity fair and the enchanted grounds. What does it represent? It's a place where believers, we Christians, have come to a, a, a state of spiritual compromise, complacency and spiritual lethargy. It's a place of, of lukewarmness. And many times we don't know even, we don't even know that we are there. Because we measure ourselves by what others have. He's 25 degrees hot, I'm 24.7, that's okay with me. But that's not okay with God. Because God's looking for people who are red hot, and that's, that's all. So when we get into this state where we compare ourselves by how others behave, and therefore we pat ourselves on the back because we're as good as them, or slightly lower than them, or slightly better than them, Paul says we are being very foolish in Corinthians. He says it's very foolish to measure ourselves by ourselves, by amongst ourselves. That's not the standard we measure ourselves by. We measure ourselves always by the standard of God's word and what God wants. But once we get into this place of spiritual complacency and we engage in a vanity fair and enchanted lands, we fall asleep. And a sleeping believer is absolutely no threat to the devil. You are as good as dead. And so Paul admonishes us in Ephesians 5.11. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't even go into the vanity fair. Rather, shine your light and expose it. And he gives us this call in Ephesians 5.14. He says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He tells us in Colossians, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is saved with Christ in God. He tells, John tells us in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, don't get engaged with the world. Love not the world, either things that are in the, world, in the world. Because all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they are not of the Father, but they are of the world. And the world is passing away, and all is its lusts. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Our journey of a thousand miles also takes us through various seasons of life. And this is the main point I want to leave with us this morning. That sometimes just one small step will usher us into a new season of life. Just one small step will change your season. Psalm 31 and verse 15 says, My times, my seasons are in His hands. And many of us are praying and saying, God, I want the season of life to change. I've been here so long. In my journey of a thousand miles, I am stuck 
in this season of life. I want to get out. I want to see this season change. And I believe what God wants us to understand is that one small step, one single step can change your season. Cause you to step out of where you are and step in to the season that God wants you to get into. But it's going to be one step of faith, one step of obedience. One step will change your season. The Lord promises us in Psalm 32, 8 and 9. He says, I will instruct you, I will lead you, I will guide you with my eye. But don't be like the donkey, stubborn, unwilling to move. And don't be like the horse that just wants to have its own way. Because then you will not take the step God wants you to take. And seasons, the season will not change. So the message I want to leave with us this morning is that in our journey of a thousand miles, all God wants us to do is to take one small step. And we will see the entire season of life change. Over the last few days, what were the nudges of the Holy Spirit in your heart all about? What was he prompting you to do? As you've been praying and saying, God, I want the season of life to change. What was he telling you to do? What was that one step of faith? That one step of obedience that he wanted you to do? Because your new season is just one step away. Over the last couple of days, that one step that God wanted you to take, maybe was to forgive somebody. Maybe just to release the hurt and the anger of the past. But perhaps till this moment you've been like the donkey, stubborn and willing to change. Or maybe like the horse, you wanted to have your way. But this morning I believe God's speaking to us and saying, one step will get you into your new season. One step will change the season of your life. One step of faith, one step of obedience, one step in the right direction, one step of what God is wanting you to do will change everything. In this journey of a thousand miles, that you and I take a step at a time. Is it a step where God says, I don't want you to fight for your own right? Just let go and trust me. Sure, you have a right to something. It's your right. But the step that God wants you to take is a step that lets go of your right. As a decision between you and God. If you will do that one thing that God is saying, you will see the season of your life changing. And I know what I'm talking about. Just one step. And your season will change. Perhaps you just need to go and return something to somebody. Whatever the Lord has been putting on your heart. Saying I want you to do this. Could you and I respond this morning and say. Yes Lord I will do that one thing. Because I want the season of my life to change. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this moment, would you pray in your heart and say yes to God? One step will change your season.
one step of faith, one step of obedience, will usher in a new season to your life. Father, we are in your presence. And you've clearly spoken saying that if we will do what, take one step, one step of faith, one step of obedience, our season will change. Father, I pray right now for all that God. Who've been asking you to change the season that they're in. And you've been asking them to take one step. I pray, Father, that you will release grace amongst us. Grace upon us. Empower us beyond our own abilities. Beyond the strength that we ourselves can get mustered together in our, in our lives. Release your grace and empower us, Lord, to take that one step and see a new season come. I thank you, Father, for doing that. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.